All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 399. One more to go to 400. That is a lot of episodes. Jason Lindgren is with me and Big Sib, also known as Brandon. The overarching ideas that we're going to get into probably best expressed by legal or law ideas, but there's a lot more to it. And we were having a conversation before we came on. So I'll forego introducing everyone and we'll just get back into it. Um, We were talking about the palpable kind of high level overarching dark cloud of fear and dread that's kind of come over the world. As soon as the Russia plan went into effect, it became palpable and you could see it in almost every walk of life. And we began to talk before we were recording about when were the last good times? How is it that our moods and the overtones of our consciousness are so easily manipulated And I had pointed out that at the end of the 70s, the music and the culture was about happy, good things, a lot of it. We went into the 80s, which was a party like we'll probably never see again. I don't even know if that's a good or a bad thing. But in 89, the brakes were slammed on. We had things like Chernobyl in that era, the supposed fall of the Soviet Union. And we went into the 90s and everything was muted. From my point of view and what I remember in my life, the last pleasant kind of societal memories are in the 80s and everything mutes after that until we get to the 2000s and then the darkness starts to park but anyhow i guess i will welcome jason and good morning and big sib um what do you think man there's we did a show once on nostalgia programming and what i was mentioning before we began to record is there's a state of consciousness that you can reach when you honestly assess your previous life And where I used to be, I'm in a bad mood. I'm sad. I don't like what I'm seeing. I'm going to go remember or play a song from the 80s when everything was hunky-dory, or at least I thought everything was hunky-dory. And it's a nostalgia trap. It's an illusion that doesn't exist, and it's in my memory, and it prevents me from facing anything. And when I went back and looked at the music I was growing up on, as you did with rap, I did with rock, and I realized that all that music centered around bestial ideas. Things that are temptations, love and drugs, and most of it, the majority of it was that. And when I came to face it, I let go of it. And what it did is it forced me to drop the life preserver and face every moment because I have no nostalgia trap to go back to now. Because when I go back there, I realize it for what it was. And you were stating a similar thing about rap and where you came from. Right. So for me, going back and living my past, I look at my mistakes now. And I see how my consciousness and my awareness was manipulated towards an idea that did not benefit me in any way, shape, or form. And uh, as I continued to research uh, things, I finally got to the awareness level of really understanding something so simple as Edward Bernays' propaganda book. Uh, those who control the unseen mechanism are the, are, are the true rulers, right? And so this unseen mechanism didn't didn't even relate to me at that time, but now it does because they control our tastes. They mold our they mold our entire society with these culture shifts. Uh, and like you were talking about, I, I go back and I look at it and I correct it. Uh, so I don't go back to relive it. I go back to correct it in my current state because the only time that ever is is now. And uh, we've discussed this last time, too, because as soon as I say it, it's already over with. So what is your current state of consciousness? And are you truly aware of this manipulating hand 
this outside force trying to make you feel something. Um, and it's, it's a feeling base because if I can control you through fear, if I can set up inside the, the temple and I can, I can produce a mindset in, in you of constant dread and constant uh, uh, fear and anxiety, well, then uh, we'll see this. For example, I'll just bring this up because we talked about it pre-episode. I am out. I am unplugged from uh, the mainstream news and everything else. I go to work every day, and for two years straight, every talk every morning was about COVID and what's going to happen with COVID. I went to work. I think it was two weeks ago. It may have been three weeks ago. I walk in, and the guys are sitting there talking about Russia and why oil prices are up. And I just simply, <laughs> I just simply made one comment. I said, uh, "Oh, not shutting down the world for two years is not the not the issue." Okay. And I walked out because I've already learned do not bring these these subjects up to people who are unconscious. But I saw the shift, and as I went forward throughout the day, I started paying attention to what people were talking about, and I saw the forest because I wasn't right in front of the tree. I saw how they shifted consciousness just that quickly by implanting a new idea based on this uh, idea of fear. Underpinned by fear. This is the example that I'll use. When I was in the Marine Corps, you had to go on a course with a compass and a map, and you had to do all these things to pass the course. And I realized that in my life, it was no different. And when I began to pull together to some semblance of reality or as close as I could get, I learned how to do dead reckoning. Now, when you're trying to get somewhere, dead reckoning is I'm standing here, there's a tree a few hundred yards away from me, and I can line that tree up on a point on the horizon. I'm going to dead reckon my way to that point on the horizon with no other assistance. The dead reckoning is what I equate with the observance of what you just said. Now, there's no escaping what you've laid out. I don't watch any news. As a matter of fact, if Jason doesn't say something to me, um, I would probably be unaware with uh, aware of a thing, except exactly what you said is true. Every person that I have had contact with has informed me that the horrible gas prices are because of Ukraine. Every one of them. So let's illustrate. In a world 70 years ago, every family had members that went out into a day and they did something unique. I'm going to milk the cow. I'm going to go to the store. I'm going to fix something on my house. All these unique experiences, variety, piled on variety. Now, when the control comes to town, that variety has got to go away. And how do you capture variety and fraction it down? Well, St. Germain told us. Where your attention goes, that's where your energy goes, and the man can only but follow where his attention and energy have taken him. So now radio, TV, all these things come together and they implant the same experience simultaneously everywhere and variety evaporates because no longer are you telling people the unique experiences of your day. You're all talking about the last episode of Seinfeld, what the news has propagated. And until you learn to dead reckon again and detach yourself from it, there's there's no escaping it. I, I would ask, man, what would you add, Jason? I mean, it's it's palpable right now. Everybody is parroting, echoing the same ideas, same fearful ideas. They've done so much in the past two years to just keep a state of fear going that it, it really seemed like it was no chore whatsoever to just push it over to this new narrative now. And I've looked at this thing and they've got so much disinformation out there. I can't, I have no idea what's truly going on. 
dead reckoning will inform you that there is never a time when there is not false information piled. It's a see in a real world. If you wanted to consider what we expected at one point news to be is an objective assessment of something that's happening in the world. Those, those things no longer exist anywhere. You might find a podcast or some private concern, but the top level communicators have an agenda. This has been proven time again by all the YouTube channels that used to go get the one phrase that's being echoed in every local news station in the country. They're going to say verbatim the exact words. Well, why can't they just say instead of everyone's opening up their Christmas presents today, why couldn't one of those places say, well, people got Christmas presents today? That's not what they're doing. They're hijacking the subconscious. And in in doing so, they are fractioning down variety to a controllable malintent, which is basically built on what St. Germain said, where goes your attention? So goes your energy. The man can only but follow. What would you add, Brandon? Yeah. And well, it's an addiction, right? And so people think about uh, the idea of addiction as being a a physical addiction, but all addiction starts at the, the cause and ground. Uh, the first cause and substance of all being is consciousness, uh, which is represented by the word I, which, of course, is the singular possessive and awareness. Right. So we, we can move into that, too. But it first starts with my, and I like to teach it this way because I think it, it's a simpler form for people to grasp. It starts with mind. You must have the idea and then it's going to be expressed or what, what we call manifestation. So as within, so without, we're back in the correspondence of Hermes Trismegistus. Um, It's uh, biblically uh, allegorized as uh, you can't clean the outside of the cup. You must clean the inside first. But people have become addicted to the fear, and they're not even aware of it. They're constantly uh, looking for that confirmation that the end is coming because they've been programmed to believe that the end is nigh and that the whole world is going to blow up in a nuclear bomb or get sucked in the CERN hole or something. It doesn't matter, but they have actually become addicted to fear because it's what's inside their subconscious. Like you said, you, these two ideas seem like uh, they're separate, but people don't recognize they have a conscious and a subconscious mind. And as you plant within, you uh, as, as you sow, you shall reap. Um, and these ideas are eternal. Uh, and this is this is the conceptual mind. When you finally get to that point of recognizing uh, how important the spiritual foundation is, what, what I'll call a fundamental, which is a foundation, and the, the mind must be on a firm foundation, you won't be blown around uh, like the seas uh, by the wind and the rain. And the wind and the rain is the outside forces. Uh, so it, it, it all this stuff ties back in together. Because you're not, if you don't have this foundation that we're going to discuss about here with these, these spiritual ideas, the cardinal, uh, the four cardinal principles and the three philosophical tenets, if you don't have that foundation to stand on, then you're just going to be blown around. You're going to continue to plug in uh, to that matrix and get that outside manipulation from the outside. You must be in control. There must be self-mastery. There must be self-discipline in order for there to be self-government. And we live in the age where self-mastery is the enemy, openly the enemy, and entertainment, which is the opposite, is what's on offer. And I will offer this. Everybody listening, go out in a day. Since this is episode 399, maybe there will be a new news story. But right now, it's gas in Ukraine and a war. Count the number of people 
who inform you that the gas prices are tied to the Ukraine or nuclear or all the little storylines coming off this pre-planned agenda and then recognize that you are facing an individual which is absent and a mind that has been at least partially hacked. But having said that, and, and, and I'm not kidding, count them up, actually keep a tally on a piece of paper over a day, over a week, and you will begin to have your mind blown. It's almost like we're living in a world of automatons where there's all these things going on in the world, but the only thing we care about is there's gas prices, there's Ukraine. Someone give Polly a cracker. And how is it that all these adults can't recognize that that is what's happening here? But Jason, we got bullet points. Uh, We should probably jump in. Are you of a mind that we read these verbatim because they're pretty well written? They are really well written. Let's start with the first one and we'll just work our way through and see where we get to. Let's do that. Okay. First, we want to talk about the rational mind versus the conceptual mind. Uh, reason is the cause, ground, principle, or motive of anything said or done. And Kika wrote, uh, had a l- little quote here that I really love. It really speaks to me. And th- uh, because I, s- I see things with my conceptual mind, I understood exactly what Kikaro was saying here. And this fits our reality. It hasn't, it hasn't changed. And, and understand that, people, that nothing has really changed, just our, your perception of it has. Wise men are instructed by reason, men of less understanding by experience, the most ignorant by necessity. And this gets back to Crow's point about a- acting in our bestial nature and our animal mind, uh, the beast by nature. And so you you must be able to see the entire forest before and not be stuck right in front of the tree. You must be able to conceive an idea within. And this, this goes from con, uh, con, concept, uh, conceiving to conception, right? And what, what we have a huge problem with today is the world of institutionalized religion has gone and destroyed our view of spiritual ideas. And what I mean by that we have taken the personifications for persons, allegory for history, and the vehicle that conveyed the instruction for the instruction and the first gross first sense for the ultimate sense intended. And everything was always about being in complete control of that inner sanctum within the two temples. Back at the third temple, and you're crawling Jacob's ladder up, right, instead of completely degenerating down. And that's where we're at. If you have conversations with regular people, they don't have principles that they they are they are they are set dead set on. Uh, they'll go any which way, and if you put a dollar between you and them, they're going to choose that dollar. And this is the degradation of, of society to the point that we're so morally decadent that the only way back up is a spiritual awakening with consciousness rising. So there's a few things there. I'm familiar with the Cicero quote that you've laid down. And by the way, people have a dim view of parts of history. You want to know something? Go read Cicero and take it apart and find out what's there. The the idea here is important for a simple reason. And I've got an example that I'll use, but consider it this way. Your life is basically mostly habits. I get up at this time. I go to work on this route. I put on my shoes. I usually tie the right one before the left one. If you examine your your life, you will see that much of it is habitual. Now, what causes things to happen? Well, a cause does, right? There's going to be a cause and an effect. They're talking about reason here, but my point is, is you can be your own cause. 
You can reason out what's going on and let the effect that follows be planned by your own mind, or you can react. And every cause is manufactured for you to become an effect thought out by someone else. Here's an example. If I'm not mistaken, in Cicero's time, breakfast was different than we have. The idea of breakfast for us is I'm going to go have ham, bacon, eggs, this big fat meal, thanks to Bernays. Before Bernays, it was not that. In this time, from things that I have read, look at the word. We're going to break a fast. There should be a fast going on here. The idea that I have read about in Cicero's time, there were two meals a day. And if you had that third meal, which we would call breakfast, you were kind of a glutton. And so that's the bestial impulse there to be a glutton. That is not something a man or a woman of reason wants to be. And I'm just putting it in context. So look at the programming. In this case, brought to us by Edward Bernays. We used to have a toast and a coffee. Now we pack it on. In my personal existence, if I eat three meals a day, I'm going to be obese. I don't do it. I generally live on one meal a day and maybe something else, occasionally two. And I know if I ever have three meals in a day, I've overdone it. Because if I lived that way all the time, I would be fat. I mean, what would you add, Jason? Well, it's interesting. In the United States, Bernays certainly did his thing. But there are countries, even Western countries, that still didn't fall prey to that. Uh, France is a good example. They still do coffee or tea and some kind of little pastry, maybe a croissant, toast, just something like that, something simple. I'm glad to know that that kind of mindset didn't get completely mangled everywhere. And I think a lot of uh, countries are like that. And yeah, we in the Western world are looked at, especially the United States, as being gluttonous in a way. And uh, on top of the food that they've uh, mangled, it's it's no wonder why people are obese. I mean, what else is there to say about it? We, we need to learn how to cut back and how to, what's the word, uh, temperance? Reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Use reason and temperance, yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. to be honest, where the three of us grew up, We are the poster children for hyper-materialism at a level, I assume, because I don't know of another time, uh, that's never been reached before. To the point where most of us can know, this is why the fear comes into a lot of it, because we don't know how to exist without the goods and services. And now the goods and services are coming with this extra cost we never dreamed would be part of it. Instead of just paying too much, a piece of my soul may be asked for in the offer for this good or this service, or even worse, this good or service that I depend on may be terminated to generate more fear, to get the effect, to get the reaction. But Jason, why don't we swap it out? You read the bullet points and then we'll go from there. In opposition to those who would use lies, assumptions, and false pretenses to enslave you, the opposing force must be wielded to overcome, and these are principles that never change. Prudence justice, fortitude, and temperance. Oh, there it is. The enjoining of justice and prudence is jurisprudence. The three philosophical tenets enjoined are faith, hope, and love charity. These are things mostly far away from where we exist now for many of us. I think some would argue that they have faith, but I think that's a different faith because without hope, charity, and love uh, isn't Isn't the overarching idea of what faith you might possess different? And by the way, when you add temperance on the end of it, it is far away from where we exist in most Western worlds. And this is not everybody. It's just most of us. And who would most of us be? The people that hit the water cooler to inform each other that the gas prices are high 
because the Ukraine is at war. I mean, what would you add here, Brandon? Yeah. And so these are spiritual ideas and principles that have been slowly, I wouldn't even say slowly removed. This, these definitions we're going to read right here, uh, Crow, come from uh, eight, uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, which st- uh, kept the phonetic orthography uh, and, and the etymology of the words in there. And not only did he apply a literal meaning, uh, and we'll talk about this later too, uh, the objective meaning in Caesar's world, but he also kept all the figurative meanings. And so as of last week, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, the online version has been removed from the internet. There it is. So they don't want you to know these ideas, these principles, and now they put a water down for like jurists. We'll see uh, the word jurist comes from the word justice, okay? If you go look up the word justice today, it's going to tell you law. The law is not a law incorporates a plethora of ideas, right? Uh, it, it's it's so watered down to just one word, but it doesn't express the spiritual idea, the 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 principle that you're supposed to stand on to overcome lies, assumption, and false pretenses, right? And we'll see this as, as Jason continues to read down that you you'll be hard pressed to find these definitions in any, anything. Uh, older than, say, a 1915 book. And that's because we moved uh, with the Rockefeller Foundation, the Education Foundation. They flat out said it. We don't want a nation of thinkers because a nation of thinkers who have a little bit of time to sit on their porch and whittle on their stick actually think through ideas. (laughs) It's just that simple. So let's let's make a critical point here. This is the importance of libraries demonstrated right here, right now. This is the proving force that allows me to know that we are heading into an era when libraries have to go away. What they did online was simple. Someone made a few keystrokes and the information available was either changed or removed or skewed to mean something totally different. Your library ain't that. Your library is a place of community. Your library is a place where there are printed materials that are not easily edited, for the most part, not edited, unless someone rips out a page or blacks out words. Do you see the importance of what is about to go away here? In my little town alone, a new library was built, and then a whole bunch of people came in to say what a waste of money that was. I almost showed up to inform them, if you understood the digital world that was coming, you would hold on to that library until your hand was cold and dead. Because what it represents for the next generation is what's going to so easily be perverted by the next generation of Bernays's. Anyhow, Jason's prudence. We need to couple that library with a gun club. <laughs> Something. <laughs> prudence. Noun from the Latin prudentia. Wisdom applied to practice. Prudence implies caution in deliberating and consulting on the most suitable means to accomplish valuable purposes and the exercise of sagacity in discerning and selecting them. Sagacity, what does that even mean? I'm, I'm joking here. Of course, it, it means to, to be sage, to be sage, you know, you do, to have some wisdom. But yeah. that's that's not how we work right now, is it? We we believe in things. We choose to do this because it was a choice. Prudence is far from that, isn't it, Brandon? Yes, yes. And so with foresight, you know, that's uh, being a sage is being able to take the different application, different ideas brought to you and use a logic and reason to deduce to a conclusion, right? 
And so this means caution in dealing with, with anybody that you deal with. I'm, I am my brother's keeper. And, and the fact that I don't look at uh, the ignorant uh, because they are, they are unaware, uh, like I would take advantage of them. I'm not going to do it because I stand on these principles that whether you're aware or not, I see the spark of God in you. So I see, I see a part of myself. And this is an idea that has been slowly whittled down to just the simple word law. Unreal. Uh, it's brevity to the point of malicious intent. But the next one, Jason, let's learn about just us. <laughs> justice, noun, Latin, justitia, from justus, just. The virtue which consists in giving to everyone what is his due, practical conformity to the laws and to principles of rectitude, and the dealings of men with each other, honesty, integrity in commerce, or mutual intercourse. This is a thing that has been absent in our minds in Western culture that I've lived through for most of the time for most of us. This one line sums up such an important point. I mean, a critical point. I live my life based on these words, giving to everyone what is his or her due. A human being has basic things they require to exist here, and they should be given that freely of anyone in charge, not in charge, in a position to make this decision. It doesn't matter. They need water, you give them water. They need air, you give them air. They need anything that is a basic living standard to include the ability to have goods and services to exist. They are given freely. And that is far from where we are. Let's think about electricity for a moment. But what would you add, Brandon? Well, I want to break down the next line too, Crow, because you did a great job on the first one, practical conformity to the laws. Okay. So most people in Western ideas are going to conflate that to mean something that it isn't because it's clarified by context in the next in the next uh, statement and to principles. Now, these principles are invisible principles that are here. They're grounded. They're, they're what would some would identify as natural law. The idea of prudence, the idea of justice, it is invisible, but they are real. These things affect our lives if we have this on the inside as our base foundation to move forward or a fundamental principle, which is a foundation plus the mind, right? And so this honesty, this integrity in dealing with uh, our brothers is something that has just gone out the window. It's uh, I'll tell you, I'll just give an example with my work. Brandon, why didn't you charge the customer more? Well, because we, we got plenty, but you could have got more. And that's the idea, right? It doesn't matter that you just take from people. And this is the, the reason eventually I'll work myself completely out of the, the corporate world because it goes against every single foundation that I truly believe in. And that's the point of having you on this hamster wheel inside these, this corporate nightmare is to have you continually going against your foundational truths and principles. You know, as we move into the next one, it occurs to me in the Marine Corps, when you get there, they tell you what you're about to do is going to be some of the hardest things you've ever done. Some of you won't make it and it takes guts, but that's not how they say it. They say it takes intestinal fortitude. And what are they saying? Jason's about to define it. It means strength, the strength to do what's required in an acceptable manner. And by the way, well, go ahead, Jason. Fortitude, noun, from the Latin fortitudo, from fortis, strong. 
that strength or firmness of mind or soul which enables a person to encounter danger with coolness and courage, or to bear pain or adversity without murmuring, depression, or despondency. Fortitude is the basis or source of genuine courage or intrepidity in danger, of patience in suffering, of forbearance under injuries, and of magnanimity in all conditions of life. We sometimes confound the effect with the cause and use fortitude as synonymous with courage or patience, but courage is an act of virtue or vice, and patience is the effect of fortitude. There's another old ancient saying, and I forget who said it first, might even be someone like Cicero, uh, fortune favors the brave. You better believe that is true. There's a reason why John Wick had it tattooed on his back. You might ask, how is the world being taken over in such an unruly way? I'll tell you why. Fortune favors the brave. And what we have seen of most of us is a lack of fortitude, a lack of strength, zero bravery. So who is fortune favoring when the most of us have no bravery to put forward? What do you think, Brendan? Yeah, and I, I would like people to key in on the mindset that is in this definition that we sometimes, well, in our current, this is 1828, in our current society, we always confound the effect with the cause. We don't know the first cause and substance of all being is consciousness and awareness, right? Uh, we don't know how to control the next stage of mind, which is the idea, because most of our tastes are molded and everything else. And these false ideas of courage and pay, uh, courage are put up on the TV screen with a flag waving, right? Fighting for country or whatever else. But the this is this is the base foundation. So if you don't have this base to move forward, you think patience is something just granted. No, it's it's an it's a work towards goal uh, to where you don't allow anyone else to control your reaction, right? And so you don't allow anybody to get inside your head and force an emotional reaction. I don't react with emotions anymore. That's just not, that's just not part of the higher mind. I first think about a thing and then I th- use all these principles that Look, I, I just so happened to come upon the Webster's 1828 Dictionary and these four cardinal virtues about a month ago. I was already living it. That tells you that uh, by nature, by reason, by logic, by principles, that they're already, these ideas are in us. And most of the time we can't express them. And that's the point of watering down language to where you can't even convey the idea to each other of what you're really thinking within. There are a litany of movies recently that have had the idea of emotion in them, always trying to convince you that it's human to be emotional. The truth is good decisions do not come from an emotional place. And if you go back to every Eastern spiritual tradition, it is the lack of emotion that allows the sagacity to come to the fore. In other words, a person crazy with emotion, which fear is, hint, hint, is going to make bad decisions. A person who has leveled out and become inhuman, according to the movies, because they're not so emotional, you can't be a human. You're not crying. You're not mad. You're not fighting. You're not fearful. Um, that's where the that's where the good, solid decisions come from that fit the definitions that we've just laid down. But as we move into the next one, I'll do a little trick that people can think about that I do with all words. The prefix of the word Jason's going to introduce is temp. T-E-M-P. 
So let's think about it for a second. What words have temp? Temperature. There's one. Tempered. A steel blade may be tempered, right? Temporary. Each of those words seems disparate, but they are all related at the root, at the foundation, because of that prefix. To temper a thing is to make it last longer, right? Not to be wishy-washy, emotional, flexible, breakable, uh, temperature. Think about what are we saying? These other things like tempo have to do with time. When you start to break down language in that way, you will find more value. But tell us about temperance, Jason. Temperance, noun from the Latin temperantia from tempero. Patience, calmness, sedateness, moderation of passion. So even in the definition of the word that Jason ran back to the Latin, which is probably as close as we're ever getting to the base of where these things came from, it was a time when a prefix, a root, and a suffix, or just a whole world was supposed to resonate at some level with what it was describing. We don't do that anymore. We say, OMG, that doesn't resonate with anything but a keyboard. There is no higher meaning to grasp. In, in the way that the digital age is bringing on language. If we come back to here, one might ask, well, temperature has that prefix. How is it that these things that have to do with time, and then you start to realize temperature is vibration, has everything to do with time. And temperance, tempering a sword, uh, moderation, passness, sedateness, calmness. In other words, there is a state of being that is unperturbable. You can see the relation as we go forward. Brandon? Yeah. And, and so I'll go, if not me, who, if not now, when I am in current control of my emotions, moods, and state of consciousness and awareness, no one else has that, that capability to take over um, my, my inner sanctum unless I allow them to. So this is a moderation of, and it's the complete reason, Crow, why you've unplugged, right? Because you became aware that this was altering your moods. This, this, these outside influences were starting to steer you in different directions. Well, what, once you become aware of it, why would you continue to allow them to take you from this calmness, this patience, where the waters are calm, and all these other ideas that are all throughout spiritual religions that no one knows uh, can understand what they mean because they don't have this foundation. In the modern age, to bluntly put forth an idea that you were getting at is we are in an age of deception. This is not the information age, but the age of deception is underpinned by entertainment. Even every car on the road shortly will have an infotainment screen. The idea of entertainment is the polar opposite of temperance, of fortitude, of justice, of prudence, of any of the higher-minded activities that the sage human mind can engage in to add meaning, value, and worthiness to a lifetime. So the next time we're all sitting around talking about how great the movie Dune was, stop and examine. What is even the value of such a thing? It made me interested for a couple hours. Is there value beyond that? There may have been a clever line here and there. Maybe the 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 clever line they use resonated with something else. But other than that, it is entertainment. We're doing words here. Enter, go in, tain, to hold, meant, never forget. Meant is mind. 
So you are now given over all your energy to a thing that is meant to go in and hold your mind. And how is it that we came up in government, govern to control, to moderate, to limit mind, government? How is it that we came so far from what is on the face of the words we say all day? I'm just saying. Oh, go ahead, Jason. I guess we're going to shift gears a little here. All right. So we're going to talk about your family's challenge with your grandfather's will next. Yeah. And so now we're going to shift. And I want to make this clear with people, the difference between the subjective principles, invisible principles that we're talking about that have spiritual connotations and and you're looking at it from a conceptual mind. Now we're going to move into the world, what, what I'll call the world of Caesar, which is the objective world. Okay. Inside this objective world, your, your, these spiritual principles are the base foundation of the objective. But you cannot um, go willy-nilly throwing around words you think you know what they mean and, and, and apply your meaning to them, okay? So that's called context in, object, in, in Caesar's world. But these four principles, well, really seven principles that I'm talking about, are the basis of all my movement forward in the world of Caesar and, and lawful uh, solutions, okay? So uh, with that knowledge, when I go into a situation like I did with the this will caveat with my dad, and I started catching this attorney in all kind of lies, uh, what I did was focus on the lies and using logic and reason, knew that uh Somewhere, uh, somehow, there was going to be a rule that he was breaking, okay? And so once I did that, then I used the words that he had been been laying down, un- completely unaware that he's, de- he's dealing with somebody that is, is not just going to allow him to lie, cheat, and steal. Then I went and found the professional rules of conduct for this attorney and put it on the record. And when I say on the record, in the record, uh, through emotion, which really upset this this attorney. Matter of fact, April nineteenth, uh, he he effectively withdraws uh, from the case at a hearing. But I, I, I wrote a precipice last night accepting it. Um, but what happened is I put it on the record, and that means the spoken word flies away. The written word will always remain in the objective world of Caesar. We are always making a record, a record. Um, and when when you understand this, the difference between the two, you're going to put you're going to quit putting your spiritual ideas into your paperwork moving forward. You, you'll keep the principles and you'll always find where the, the truth, the principles that law is based off of. You'll find that the obfuscation and continued muddy, muddying of the waters by these lawyers and attorneys are just um, they're the smoke and mirrors, the tain, the tin, right? To blind your mind to the truth. The truth is, folks, if you were subject to taxes for property tax or for uh, IRS tax, the tax code would read thus. All persons, natural or illegal, are subject to the tax. End of tax code. (laughs) That would be it. There it is. (laughs) Remember, we're in hour one. I can already see the red dots searching for my chest. (laughs) Yeah. And and that would be the end of the tax code because we wouldn't have to use obfuscation. So with this, I put in the record with a motion, uh, a request for admissions, and I put all the lies in there. So when we went to the hearing, uh, the first thing the attorney does was start breathing fire and venom uh, towards me and 
there's good people out there, folks. I, I want people to understand this. I had a 35-year Superior Court judge uh, in this inside this mediation. She turns to me after this uh, attorney uh, spit all his fire, objecting to my uh, me being there. And she asked me a couple of questions. And I give her a couple answers about 1789 Judiciary Act. Uh, I explained to her, to her our inherent sacred right uh, for assistance and advice and that I wasn't providing a service, which, of course, must be licensed because states regulate all services, right? And the judge smiles at me, Crow, and she goes, that is enough. And I stayed during the whole deal. She was satisfied with my answers. She understood that I was not there to defraud anybody, but I was there for truth. And when you can stand on those principles in honor and integrity and knowing that I had trapped that 35-year veteran by his own words and made him recuse himself from the case, I don't know if he had to pay the money back or not, uh, but my my, uh, step-grandmother is worth about $200 million. So I don't know how much she paid this guy who ended up just being able to walk away with her money. But that's what that's what a lawyer's service is. But I was able to do this by having this firmness and soundness of mind and standing on principles that most in society are not standing on. This is the stupid monkey argument that I bring up all the time. Right. The people imply, em, employing all these sneaky methods, when if you could ever press one of them and say, why the hell are you doing this? They're going to say, we told the stupid monkeys and showed them at every turn. And still the stupid monkeys acted like stupid monkeys. When the judge was questioning you or the magistrate, she was basically seeing if there was an orangutan sitting in the chair, because if there was probably there's no chair for an orangutan there. Um, and I know these are blunt words, but think about what we're saying. Go back. To the, to the definitions we've just laid down, some of the opening comments we made from Cicero, uh, a supposed great orator from Rome, uh, talks out about the beasts and the nature of the beast, which is not that of a sage or a human mind with sagacity. Um, and that's what's going on here. And who can argue? And it comes back to the entertainment. You have been shown. You have been shown over and over and over. And yet, fortune is still favoring the brave, isn't it? How are we doing out there, everybody? Feel like we're getting things under control? So who is fortune actually favoring, I would ask? It's a great point. It, and, and I just, when you were talking about that, Crow, I think about how they ran a, a meme for three and a half years while Trump was in office about fake news and then instantly follow that up uh, with news. <laughs> with fake news. <laughs> yeah, they instantly follow it up with a, with a fear based mindset of, of COVID and was able to effectively. And listen, they never said anything. And that's what people's perception of words and what words really mean. Uh, there's a case out there out of the Ninth Circuit uh, that just ruled against a nursing home out of uh, out of California. And the judge says uh, in open court, Crow, she goes, uh, who, who forced you to comply? You didn't you didn't have to. Comply. There it is. You, that- that's the stupid monkey argument right there in your face. <laughs> and she, she reads out uh, the CMS and the CDC um, recommendations, guidelines, and, and things of that nature. She says, you have no reason to implement policies that, that fly in the face of established law. 
You, you know, I could actually offer an example. If you like right now, if I went back to podcasts we did years ago, there's so many things I would update, but I had covered at some point. What's the little red haired guy's name? Seth, something that makes the, the animated dolls program, Jason, Seth green, Seth green at the end of the Seth green, it's an, and it's they're animating dolls basically to make the program. All right. And it's all every inch of it. As far as I can tell is pop culture. All right. Entertainment. At the end of each one, and I commented back then, it's from Stupid Monkey Productions or something like that. And they all giggle and they say, Stupid Monkey. And I had said a thing, but you want to know something? They're not wrong. No. He has every right to say that because if you're sitting there watching a show with animated dolls, you are conducting yourself like a stupid monkey. And he's pointing it out in your face. Even when I first pointed this out back there, I was thinking, you know, that's some huevos to do what you're doing and then call a spade a spade. But he's basically calling a spade a spade. Who the hell at adulthood sits around watching animated dolls go over the best film from 1984? <laughs> I'm just asking, man. <laughs> it's right. It's it's one of those things that we've talked about over the years that they like to mock. And that's the gesture. Yep. That's the yep. gesture. That's your gesture card. And by the way, before people get too too crazy why i just remembered it by talking about the gesture card you'll find these four principles inside the tarot too and the hermit would be fortitude by the way but anyway you have to become this principle principal of principles uh, and the difference between the two words is still a foundational stone right and it, it means the chief are you really controlling that inner sanctum to where when you speak, you're not speaking from, uh, we all speak from our highest level of current ignorance, right? But are you speaking from a complete ineptitude of effort and trying to get to the knowledge and truth? Well, you, you are your own captain. You're your own producer. You're, you're your own actor. You're, you're, you're writing the play today. You are the author. That's why you have all authority given on earth. That's straight out of the Bible, right? And wherever you want to find it, you are writing your play right now. Uh, unfortunately, most of us are letting others write that play for us. So when you become this principle of principle, uh, princi- uh, this principal of principles, you won't allow some pettifogger shyster attorney to trick, lie, deceive you through vain words, right? You, what you're going to do is. Uh, use your control of the English language to put these people in place. How many people listening would even consider that there's a difference between principal, P-A-L, and principal, C-I-P-L-E, both from the Latin? Anyhow, I feel like we've covered that, Jason. Should we just jump up to eight there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm catching up. I'm catching up. So how was the attorney trap using one of the five tools of discovery, Okay. I entered into the uh, record a request for admissions. So the, the attorney had previously testified of being a material witness and watching the, uh, the execution of the will. Okay, so when he wrote that original letter, Crow, I kept that on the back burner. I kept that as uh, I've got this moving forward, that this guy is a material witness to this case. He just claimed so. So when I got to the, the tools of discovery with the request for admissions, I asked for his affidavit <laughs> that, that he watched, that he watched the, the will get executed. Because you knew he hadn't? Yeah, well, now, 
the matter may have stopped right then and there had he had he done it. But right. So I already knew being him, a, a claiming himself to be a material witness that what he also had was a conflict of interest. He was representing someone that he couldn't represent. Um, and so when when I got to the uh, I didn't write him back an email or anything like that. What I did was I put it on the re- on the record inside a request for admissions. The very next time we saw him, he had now been trapped by his own words and had to recuse himself from the case. And during this is this is the beauty inside the letter. He stated that he was uh, he was there for the execution of the will. Now, during this meeting, he tried to distance himself from that statement. Well, I I wrote the will, but it was not executed in my office. And so they're so accustomed um, to browbeat the everyday man or woman uh, with these letters and just running roughshod over us. Make no mistake, guys. I'm not I'm not here to protect the bar members or bar attorneys or anything like that. This is this is a horrible group of men and women, uh, not not on the grounds that. They're they're worse than anybody else, but they're in positions where they're supposed to be protecting uh, these principles above that are established on law, and they're not. They're actually they're actually destroying the law through what is called words of art, right? And its implication. That's all it ever is. It implies an idea, and the people just run and accept it as an. I, I can't count, crow. How many people told me it's the law? The mask is the law. What are you talking about? It's a recommendation from the CDC who is not even the government. I think it's a I think it's a man that needs to meet a woman, right? A mandate yeah. or, or maybe it's a man eating a piece of fruit. <laughs> yeah. And so I just lost count with how many people told me this. I had a doctor uh in in the experience with Rose tell me it's the law. I said, no, no, don't give me any more legal advice, please, if you don't mind. <laughs> Unreal, but I, I think we're there, Brandon. We've got to wrap up hour one. But isn't it interesting that the representative that you were interacting with for the legal profession was more than happy to write things that weren't true until you pressed him to turn it into an affidavit? And this underscores a thing Jason and I have gone at here. There is still a system, there is still a legal avenue. And this is one example. He'll lie bold faced until. He said, put that down as a statement of fact and notarize it and let that go to court as a statement of fact and truth. Wouldn't do it. Matter of fact, walks away. So I'm just pointing out that that's exactly what these guys are doing. They're subverting everything. But when they're called to account, for some reason, they recognize the reality that still exists. And we see examples of this over and over. Um, Brandon, do you want to give everyone where they can find you? And by the way, Brandon is also big sib online, but do you want to tell folks where they can find you? Yeah, guys, uh, B Sibley, S-I-B as in boy, L-E-Y 97 at gmail.com. And then uh, the Big Sib YouTube channel is my main avenue. I'm on Alphonse's group. Uh, I'm in Rose's uh, group. I'm, I'm, I'm on Telegram. If you want to join my Telegram group, I don't, it's not a public group. It is a private group. I'm trying to keep it uh, at about a 400 Listen, I, I go help these people. When you have a problem, I actually go research stuff and try to lead you towards it. Uh, when a group gets to fourteen thousand or fifteen thousand, with that, uh, it's just too much to handle. And I learned from Alfonso's uh, <laughs> mistake of letting it get that high. 
everyone out there should realize, I mean, every given morning I wake up to, you know, one to 300 emails, that's my day opener. So consider a day when I get 300, I spend a minute on each one, that's 300 minutes out of my day. So when you're trying to help someone, I just reason it out. It gets to be overwhelming. Jason, anything you want to add before I wrap up 399 hour one? Well, it was great uh, getting to associate with you in person this past weekend, Brandon. We were uh, at a, a very nice bear get together. Yeah, it was it was a great time, great crawfish bowl, good good time, man. I I really enjoyed. It. I didn't even know these people live so close to me. <laughs> I'm guessing you didn't catch Jason sucking on any crawfish heads. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I like crawfish. I don't remember. I don't remember if he did or not. I I ate about ten pounds of them. <laughs> All right, guys, I got to wrap this up. So that is hour one of episode 399. Everyone can get the full episode by being a member at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. There will be at least another hour. We are on a whopping bullet point nine, and we have more than three times that. So I hope to see everyone on the other side, and I would like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
is the enemy of knowing.